You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. All right, welcome. Hey, happy 2023. How's everybody doing? I missed y'all last week. Hey, um, so Jose Santana spoke last week on uh, New Year's Day. I just want to celebrate. Um, that was his first time ever preaching, um, and um, just really uh, was blessed to sit under his teaching and to hear what the Lord had placed on his heart. Um, but yeah, Man, anyone uh, hoping that 2023 is better than 2022? And 2021? And 2020? Uh, uh, we all, hey, we, we all experience good times. We all experience bad times. Um, when bad things happen, uh, it's hard to remember the good times. Would you agree? Um, when, when something bad's happening, it just seems super major in our minds and in our hearts, and it's hard to remember the good times and the blessings of the Lord. Um, well, over the next five weeks, we're going to start landing the plane in Ephesians. And so we have been traveling through Ephesians for a whole year now. Um, and so we've got a little bit left. And so we're going to be landing the plane in the book of Ephesians. So if you have a Bible, grab it. Uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 today. And we're going to be in the next five weeks in this mini-series called Stand Firm. We're going through the armor of God. And I need to be short today, and, and here's why. Um, some of you know this, some of you don't. But... Um, over the last month or so, we've been uh, in conversation with the, uh, our sister church next door, Redeemer Church, and um, they've been going through a difficult season, um, and so we uh, were able to purchase this facility from them um, about six months ago or so, and uh, they've tried to go through a renovation process, and they've determined that um, it's not best for them as their church family to continue on, um, and so they as a church have voted um, to sign over their property to us um, as FMCC, and that's a huge blessing for us, but we also want to mourn with those who mourn, and this has been, some of them have been going to that church for 30 and 40 years, um, and so we uh, receive that blessing. They would desire to leave a legacy of what God has done in and through the life of that church over the last 40 years, um, and they want to leave that to us, um, and so what that does for us is it not only gives us the five acres and the facility, um, but they hold our mortgage, and so we have a, a $1.1 million mortgage with them um, that in the process will dissolve. Um, and so it, it, is a, it is a huge blessing for a young church like us to receive. Um, and so today they're holding a passing of the torch, torch ceremony. Um, so they're going to uh, have some prayer and worship. And I'm going to talk about that at the end, but I need to be short. And so uh, we're going to um, jump into the Word of God right now. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. Let's put our seatbelts on, return your trays, and uh, full and upright in locked position. Here we go. Ephesians 6, verse 10. This is the word of the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, 
Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. So here's what we're jumping into today. I'm gonna give us a little bit of a series overview. We're gonna do this every single week. We're gonna talk about what uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 is talking about. And then we'll jump into each one of these different parts of the armor of God that he has given us. So the first thing is, life is difficult. Now, for some of us, we've experienced more difficulty than others. But we see here, we do not wrestle against, which assumes that we will wrestle physically, emotionally, spiritually. Why? Why will we wrestle? Well, there is a real enemy. And he deceives all people. The schemes of the devil. That word schemes there means deceit. There is an enemy that is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy you. And it's for all people. It's not just for those that are believers and Christians. It is for all people. The devil is at work. And he's known as the prince of this earth. The Lord, God Almighty, has given the devil some ability here on earth. He is on a short leash, and God is fully in control of everything he does, but there is a real enemy. Therefore, God protects us with his armor and his strength. So this is where we see that. The word put on, he, there's this there's this. Action word, put on. And the Greek word here is to clothe or to be clothed with in the sense of sinking into a garment. So um, it drops below 70 here in Florida. And y'all run for like sweatshirts and sweatpants and Uggs. I love it. It's like it, 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 if you look at your weather app and it says the number six, right? Like 60. All of a sudden it's like, all right, honey, can you get that box from the top of the, 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 you know, the closet? Got to get down the winter gear, right? We're putting, you know, chains on our snow tires here. So, but it's like that one sweatshirt that you have because you're a Floridian. That's probably all you should have. Um, that's really comfortable. And, and this idea here of putting on is to sink into that garment. So when you put it on, you know, that, you know the piece of clothing I'm talking about? That you put on and it just wraps you up and it's comfortable. And it's something that you can just jump on the couch with and just snuggle up with. The idea here is that it's already on you and you're, you're owning it. You're sinking into it. Be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. The armor of God is already given to you and put on you at the moment of conversion. There's this idea of justification in scripture, which is the moment where you stand before God not guilty. Every man, every woman, and every child is guilty in the eyes of the Lord except for those who place their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So when you place your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there is a moment of justification where now, because of what Jesus did on the cross for you, you are now justified. At that moment, God surrounds you with his protection, his armor. And God's armor is connected and complete. 
And so sometimes I think we, we look at lists in Scripture and we start to dissect them and pull them apart and think that they're, they're separate from one another, but they're not. Like God's not saying, hey, go run into battle with these things and you're putting on one shoe and like hobbling out of your house because you only have a shoe on. Like you're not sitting there going, oh, I forgot my shield today. No, the armor of God has been given to you and placed on you and it covers you. And so we, now that we are covered, the active role we play as a child of God is to trust in the armor that God has already given to us. We trust that we already have it. We're already wearing it. It already covers us. We are in Christ. He is in us. He, Christ is in God. We are fully surrounded, fully covered. And so we begin to remember and trust that we are wearing the armor. So today, we are looking at the belt of truth. Verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of of truth, to stand. If you stand up before fastening your belt, your pants will fall down and you'll look like a fool. All right, that's my only dad joke today. All right? You can't battle sitting down. The devil will attack. So you need to be prepared and stand and fight because it's going to happen. Difficult times will come. And so... The Lord, through the disciple, through the Apostle Paul, is, is reminding us that there is a battle. I think sometimes as Christians, we can get very complacent. We can get to this place where things are going well in life, and we forget that there's actually an enemy out to get us. And so we get very lax. And we just kind of go through the motions. I, I don't know about you, but I tend to pray more when it's difficult, life is difficult, than when life is really good, I tend to pray a little bit less. I tend to read my Bible more when life is difficult, but when life is really good, I tend to read it less. Why? We just get consumed with the busyness of life. But we can't forget, and this is what the Apostle Paul is trying to remind us, that we are in a battle, and at any moment, the devil is waiting and watching, trying to take you out, like a lion waits in the grass waiting for you to be isolated and alone and vulnerable. So, he's saying, stand therefore, having, so this is an idea now going, like you're standing with this thing already fastened on you, fasten on the belt. So the Greek here is to gird your loins. So back in the day, the picture here would be is that men often would wear something called a tunic. And the tunic would be a garment that went from their neck all the way down to their ankles. And if they had to go into battle, they couldn't really do a whole lot wearing this garment that went from head to toe. And so they'd have to gird their loins. They'd have to pick up this tunic and begin the process of tucking it in and wrapping it in and fastening their belt in a way so that their legs were exposed and they could run and fight. The picture here is to gird your loins. Be prepared for action. The truth prepares us for that action. So then what is the truth? Well, the truth in our world has become exponentially relative. What's right and true for you is good and right and true for you. What's true and right for me is good and true and right for me. The logic in that doesn't make sense. 
It doesn't make sense because there are things in this world that are absolute. Day is day, night is night. A square is not a circle. So my daughter, when she's playing with those toys, you know the ones with the shapes that you're trying to put into the thing? If she keeps trying to shove the square into the circle hole, it's not gonna fit. Why? Because it's a square. Even if she thinks it's a circle, it's still a square. And so girls are girls, boys are boys. A person cannot be a cat, and I cannot be a professional basketball player no matter what I say because I'm terrible at it. There are things in this world that are absolutely true. God is in control of the things that are true. These aren't political statements, and if we remove ourselves from politics, we begin to understand the process that, that actually there is a truth and then there are lies. The lies come from the deceiver, and the truth comes from God. And so, what is the truth? Well, I'm going to submit to you today that Jesus is the truth. Look at this with me. John 14, 6. He says, this is in his own words, I am the way, the what? Truth and the life. He is the bread of life, what sustains us, the light of the world, the thing that illuminates the darkness, the good shepherd, what nurtures and cares for us and protects us, the resurrection, that is our salvation, and the life, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the truth. So then, what is the devil? The devil is a liar. Look at John 8, 44 with me. I believe it's going to come up. You, and he's speaking to those that do not believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth. You know who, G who the devil doesn't believe is his Lord and Savior? Jesus. The devil doesn't believe that. Now, he knows Jesus is real, and he, know who, he knows who Jesus is, but he has not submitted himself to the authority of Jesus because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus is the truth. The devil is a liar. And so as we're framing up this belt of truth and trying to wrap our minds around what is the belt of truth, like what do we do with the belt of truth? Because I've even known people to say when they wake up in the morning and they swing their feet over the edge of the bed, they physically act like they're putting on their helmet and they're putting on their belt. And that's, that's great if that's what they want to do but because that's a remembrance of what we're covered with before we even start our day. But I want us to understand that God has given us himself as the absolute truth. And what he says is either all true or not true. Often in our culture, people would say that Jesus is a good moral teacher. My daughter's homeschooled, but if your kid is in school and, and they have a teacher other than my wife, um, a teacher that is really fun, really energetic, really passionate, is really smart, 
and tells them that World War II took place in Mexico, would they be a good teacher? Why? Because it didn't take place in Mexico. It's false information. Jesus cannot be a good teacher if what he taught was that he is God if he was not God. That one statement would have discounted everything he said. So either you believe all of it or you believe none of it. It's hard because in a, in a culture of relative truth, it's like, well, I'm okay to believe in 90% of it. In fact, there are studies out there right now that people take of, of the evangelical world as well as the United States, and up to 40% of evangelicals would say that Jesus was a good teacher, but he's not actually God. 40%, up to 40%. That's like this whole section right here. So, we have to understand that if what he says is truth, then we need to follow what that truth is. So, what does it look like to fasten the belt of truth? Number one, well, I'll just give them you them all, and then we'll go through them. We need to believe in the truth, we need to live in the truth, and we need to speak the truth. So believe in the truth. Place your faith in Jesus. Earlier on in this letter, right, if you understand what's going on here, Paul is writing to a young church Paul was someone who went and saw this church form. He started telling people about Jesus. Paul was, was a guy who was persecuting the church that was forming about Jesus. Jesus has an encounter with Paul and transformed Paul's heart and mind and reveals to him that he actually is God and that he is the Lord and Savior, the Messiah of the world. And so Paul places his faith in God because of God's sovereignty. And then Paul starts to go tell people about this Jesus and he's being persecuted, this church forms, and now Paul is sitting in prison thinking and longing to be with this young church. He's writing them a letter, wanting them to know the goodness of the Lord. So in the beginning of this letter, this is what Paul says, Ephesians 1.13. says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the word of truth, what is the word of truth? The gospel. The good news, that's what that word gospel means. It means good news of your salvation and believed in him. What's our salvation? Jesus is our salvation. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The gospel, the good news, is that in spite of anything you've ever done, right now I think you can recall some of the worst things that you have ever done in your entire life. You may be the only person in the entire world that knows those things. And in spite of you, God left eternity and he came down to us to give up his life. He didn't come down to us to sit up in this big throne and big kingdom and, and have everybody wait on him hand and foot. No, no, no. He came down to a poor family in the middle of a place that you never would have guessed so that he could grow up and die for you and then for God to resurrect him from the dead so that you and I one day can spend eternity with God, our creator, the good news of the gospel is the word of truth, who Jesus is, and he is our salvation, 
when we believe in him. And I know that there are people here today, I am positive that there are some here today that do not believe fully trusting in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You may have grown up in a church or in a season or maybe not even grown up in a church where, where you have this perception that God is out to get you or you have this perception that it's all just a hoax. And only God can stir in your heart and in your soul an understanding of who he is. But there is a real God who loves you and wants a relationship with you. There is a real God who wants to know, who knows the depths of you and he wants you to know him intimately in relationship. Not just a, um, oh yeah, I believe that or yeah, when I'm filling out those forms, I check the Christian box or the Protestant box or the evangelical box, but he actually wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to read his word. He wants you to pray. He wants you to do those things. Why? Because I would not have a relationship with my wife if I've never spent time with her. Time equals relationship. Intimacy. Growth. Intentionality. And God desires that for us. And so we believe in the truth. Because the truth holds everything together like the belt on these tunics. It would be the thing that holds it all together. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking more about the belt because it is what holds everything together. Students, can I talk to you for a second? If you're middle school, high school, college, this world around you, our culture, our society, social media, they are trying to convince you that God is not the absolute ultimate truth and that you can determine what you want to be true. One day, you will, this is a fact, stand before a holy God. And one day, you will have to give an account for what you believe. You can't stand before God and say, well, my parents brought me to church. Well, my parents prayed at dinner. Your relationship with God is your relationship with God. And at some point, that relationship is between you and God because God desires a relationship with you. God wants to know you. And so the good news for you is that Jesus has come to give you life and life to the full and he will bring you joy that you've never experienced before when you place your trust in him. But, the world wants you to know that there's a ton of other stuff that will bring you a better satisfaction. And so, my plea with you is ask your parents to help you understand who Jesus is. We have different ministries here. We have youth group. We have uh, middle school and high school ministries on Wednesday nights. Uh, we have a young professional group, college and adults, uh, that meets on uh, Tuesday nights. Um, so there's opportunities for you to grow in your relationship with God. Why? Because we believe that the devil is hard after you. And we want you to know that God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. So we believe the truth and then we live the truth. We do what Jesus says. He says in John 8, 31 and 32, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You need to know this and read this and live this. Think about how Jesus fought when he was standing face to face with the devil. 
There's a moment in scripture that we see where Jesus is out in the wilderness and he comes face to face with the devil. This is really one of the only interactions that we see in scripture where they are just face to face and the devil is trying to tempt Jesus in his humanity. How does Jesus fight? Does he fight him with logic or statements from YFM? No. He, he fights with scripture because he knows scripture. How does he know scripture? Because he dedicated himself to knowing scripture from a young age. It says he grew in wisdom and stature as he spent time growing and learning the word. Adults, often we come to church to get our weekly shot in the arm of the Bible. God wants a personal relationship with you too. He wants you to open up his word because he wants to reveal things to you that you've never even seen before. And we can't blame it on the busyness of life. We can't do that because there's always more time. If we cut out all of the time wasters in our life, all of the things that bring us temporary satisfaction and replace them with the word of God, we would actually be spending a ton of time in the word of God. And I'm not saying we can't enjoy things. Like there are things that God has given us that are good and, and fishing and hunting and all that stuff. That could be fun and good and life-giving because God has given that to us. But we can't do that and neglect this because this is what reveals who God is and what he has done for us. So we live out the truth. What is the truth to love God above all, to love one another, to serve one another, to give generously, to speak truthfully, to put away idolatry, not to follow our sinful passions, to make disciples. Those are the things that God desires for us because he knows that'll bring life. I can tell you that the moments where I've been really, really anxious a few nights ago, I woke up at like 4 a.m., I couldn't go back to sleep. I was tossing and turning. I'm sure my wife was like mad at me because all the covers were like all over the place. And so what did I do? I got up. I went. I just started. I opened my Bible and started reading it. I started to calm my anxious heart. Did it solve every problem that I was thinking about in that moment? No, not necessarily. But the word of God is living and active. And it brings us peace that transcends, goes higher than our understanding. So, Believe the truth. We live the truth. And then we speak the truth. We tell others about him. Some of the most amazing moments in my life, most fruitful, joyful moments in my life, is when I've got to sit across the table from a friend, a family member, or even somebody that I just met, and tell them how much they are loved by God. In those moments, there is nothing like it. In those moments to share with somebody the greatest hope that I have, I mean, we get excitement when someone tries out the restaurant that we like or watches the movie that we just watched that we really like. How much greater should it be for us to share with them the only hope that they will ever experience in their entire life? That the belt of truth that surrounds us is what will lead us and guide us and help us navigate through the craziness of the world. Because it's not getting any better. Oh, just, just wait till 2024. I don't think it matters. Well, if we just take over with this political party or this political party or this agenda or that agenda, this world is fading away. 
But one thing remains. His love, his mercy, his grace, his life for your life. I think often I can believe so many lies. Those lies about myself, that I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not strong enough. Um, there are moments in my weakness where, where I'm upset at my kids or there's so much going on at work that I'm, I'm uh, disengaged at home. And, and then you start to believe these lies of, of I'm not a good dad, I'm not a good husband, uh, I'm not a good um, real estate agent, I'm not a good financial advisor, I'm not a good whatever it may be because the devil is after you. And we combat that with knowing that the God of the universe, I mean, a planet in a solar system of nine planets, depending on whether you consider Pluto one or not, in a, in a midst of a galaxy with a bunch of solar systems, in a midst of a universe with a bunch of galaxies, God came down to earth for you. He knows you. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. So we believe the truth, we live the truth, and we speak that truth. Can I pray for us? Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. God, even now I just think about how we want to even wrestle with and speak against what was just said because because we could even look at this and say, oh, well, that's outdated, or that was from long ago, it's different now. But your truth does not go out of date. Your truth does not spoil. God, your truth is what brings life. Your truth is what brings joy and peace. And you give us your truth through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I pray right now if there's anyone here that has not fully placed their faith and their trust in you, they would do that right now, Lord. If they would just, in their soul, in their spirit, even verbally, just say, I believe. I believe. And, Lord, for those of us that maybe have been walking with you for a short amount of time or years and years and years and years, God, I pray that right now, in the beginning of 2023, that you would spark a new passion in our hearts and minds for your word and your truth. That we would believe it when things are difficult, when things are tough, when hurricanes blow through. That we would live your truth. That we would speak it to every man, woman, and child. God, we love you. We lift this all up in your name. Amen. Amen.